Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau suggests he may soon be challenging Alberta Premier Danielle Smith's Sovereignty Act. We're going to see how this plays out, Trudeau said, about the bill that empowers Alberta ministers to bypass federal legislation deemed harmful to their province. Meanwhile, the former vice chair of the CRTC is sounding the alarm over a proposal that he says could make news media in Canada even more reliant on the federal liberal government. And is Quebec getting special treatment when it comes to Trudeau's carbon tax rules? One advocacy group says yes, it's a problem. Hello Canada, it's Thursday, December 1st, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Jasmine Moulton. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Is Justin Trudeau angling to challenge Danielle Smith's Sovereignty Act? It looks like things are headed down that road. On Tuesday, Smith introduced the Sovereignty Within a United Canada Act in the legislature. This bill would allow any cabinet minister, including the premier, to identify federal initiatives that are deemed unconstitutional or harmful to Albertans, as they describe it, and introduce a motion in the legislature to invoke it, therefore bypassing those federal laws. Daniel Smith told reporters a long and painful history of mistreatment and constitutional overreach from Ottawa has for decades caused tremendous frustration for Albertans. In response, we're finally telling the government no more. It's time to stand up for Alberta. But on Wednesday, Trudeau implied that things may get rocky between the two levels of government. Here's what he said. The Alberta Sovereignty Act, it's expanding cabinet powers, maybe overruling the legislature, cutting back on the lieutenant governor's powers. What do you make of it? You've been briefed now. Uh, Obviously, we're going to look at this very, very closely and think about the implications, but we're already seeing a number of Albertans expressing real concern about the fact that the Alberta government is choosing to bypass uh, the legislature on a number of issues. Uh, These are things that obviously are going to play out over the coming, uh, coming weeks and months. But our focus remains on making sure that Albertans get affordable childcare, uh, making sure that Albertans uh, are part of a growing, cleaner economy that are going to create good jobs and protect our environment for years to come, uh, moving forward on safer communities, which includes uh, banning military-style assault weapons. These are things that we know Albertans care about, and we're going to stay focused on. Uh, we're going we're gonna to focus on delivering for Albertans the way we have. Uh, We know uh, that the exceptional powers uh, that the Premier is uh, choosing to give the Alberta government in bypassing the Alberta legislature is causing a lot of eyebrows to raise in Alberta. Uh, And uh, we're going to see how this plays out. Uh, I'm not going to take anything off the table, but I'm also not looking for a fight. Uh, We want to continue to be there to deliver for Albertans. There's going to be things that we agree with that government on. There's going to be things we disagree with them on. And my focus is always going to be to be constructive in terms of delivering for people right across the country. So Jasmine Trudeau, they're saying he's not looking for a fight, but 
I mean, listen to those words. That sure sounds like a prelude to a fight. Anthony, say what you want about Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, but not many would call him a unifying Prime Minister. In fact, when he was debating against Aaron O'Toole back in the last election, and this was during lockdowns, Aaron O'Toole was repeatedly calling for unity, whereas the Prime Minister seemed to imply that there were certain principles that were more important than national unity, and it seems like those are playing out here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Justin Trudeau saying, I'm going to stand up for Albertans by continuing with this firearms legislation, which we know most Albertans don't seem to support, or at least it's most controversial in Alberta, uh, talking about how he might wade in because Albertans are concerned about what Danielle Smith is doing. I mean, it's a really interesting framing that he's doing here. Exactly. And when he says that he's going to focus on what Albertans care about, I wonder how he knows what Albertans care about, given the Liberals' lack of representation in that province. They don't really have many MPs to consult on that front. But issues like affordable childcare and climate change don't scream that they're at the top of Alberta's priority list, at least to me, right now. So this Prime Minister really needs to understand, I think, better what Alberta wants. And frankly, many of those priorities are shared across the Prairie Provinces, where the Liberals have dismal representation. So I think it must be time to do some listening on the Liberals' part. Well, certainly. I mean, I think what's interesting here is let's say you're totally against the Sovereignty Act. You should ask, why is it being brought in in the first place? And Daniel Smith says growing frustrations over the years, over the decades. So maybe people who are critics of this act should say, well, where did the sentiment for it come from? And then maybe address that. Obviously, there's the sense of incredible disrespect that Alberta has received. So maybe deal with that disrespect. Absolutely. And when you look at things on the flip side as well, back in the Harper years, we didn't see this lack of unity. Uh, certainly, you know, the Conservatives federally did not go picking these sorts of fights with, I would say, the comparable uh, political landscape in Quebec. So it's very questionable why this Prime Minister is so forceful on some of these issues like climate change that uh, clearly are not sitting well or gun legislation would be the bigger example that are not driving well with Alberta. A former CRTC vice chair is criticizing a bid by Global News to gain access to secure payroll rebates via tax measures, warning that it could make media companies dependent on the Liberal government remaining in power. The owner of Global News submitted a petition to the House of Commons Finance Committee on Monday urging Ottawa for a 25% payroll rebate via tax measures for media companies. In an exclusive interview with True North, former CRTC vice chair and newspaper executive Peter Menzies said that the media bailout structure, whatever one thinks of it, was only intended to help newspapers transition to the digital era and isn't meant for broadcasters. Quote, it would also be a step further towards the creation of a permanent and codependence between the Liberal Party being in power and Global's ability to produce news, Menzies continued. Anthony, it seems pretty obvious to anybody, even without a journalism degree, that media companies receiving money from the government is a conflict of interest. So why do we keep seeing over and over these failing legacy media organizations asking for money? Well, because they're facing very serious structural business challenges and they're doing whatever they can uh, to try and get more revenue. And they feel like going to the government is one way to do that. And the government has enabled and encouraged that, of course. 
the original $600 million media bailout package was, was quite controversial. I actually testified before the House of Commons Finance Committee. They were looking for a, a media voice to just give a, a personal reflection on all of that. And while my employer at the time, Post Media, was uh, in support of the media bailout, credit to them that they were fine with me offering a bit of a different perspective at the committee. And one thing I cautioned them about was that we're risking putting media into the same category that the film industry is in in Canada, where they are very reliant on a number of different business structures uh, coming from the government. And, and there's a, a very difficult uh, way to walk back from that. You can't really do it. So to Menzi's point, if the conservatives say, we're going to repeal uh, these these media support structures, well, that puts media in a major conflict in terms of are they even going to be able to accurately report and talk about uh, the elections, liberals versus conservatives, if their very lifeline is dependent on it. Absolutely. And I would think that it's one thing for these media execs to take a look at their balance sheets and say, wow, we're pretty desperate. Let's go with our hands out to taxpayers. But it's a different thing, I would think, for journalists saying this is really hurting our credibility by accepting money from the government. Do you see a difference there between the journalists themselves and these the executives in the company? Well, like I said, I was able to articulate my uh, concerns with the media bailout, and it, it worked fine. It didn't cause employment trouble for me. But if there's a general chill or a sense that you shouldn't be talking about this or even a subconscious idea that... Uh, well, you know, we got to keep the liberals in power lest uh, a new package that say global news gets or what have you is revoked. Yeah, that's going to play a role. Now, quickly, just for the benefit of our listeners, could you clarify, I think there's a lot of people out there that don't know the difference currently between television companies receiving money and newspapers. So can you quickly just give us the background there? Well, right now, what Peter Menzies is talking about is that the media bailout fund is basically um, something that gives you a certain percentage of your salary back for newspaper companies, the individual salaries up to a certain cap. Global News is basically asking for the same thing. And Peter Menzies is saying, well, hold on a second. The original idea with the media bailout is, okay, you're transitioning from print product to digital. We're going to help you out in that transition. What Global is experiencing is something totally different. Now over to you, Anthony, for a story of Trudeau giving a break to one province on the carbon tax. The Canadian Taxpayers Federation is accusing the federal government of preferential treatment for Quebec when it comes to Justin Trudeau's federally mandated carbon taxes. All provinces other than Quebec will have to raise the carbon tax on fuel to 37 cents per liter by 2030, but Quebec will only have to pay an additional 23 cents per liter on gas by the end of the decade due to its provincial carbon pricing scheme. Quebec's government currently participates in an international emissions trading scheme with the state of California. Franco Terrazano from the CTF said Trudeau's special deal for Quebec shows the carbon tax was always about politics, not the environment. Jasmine, we were just talking about Alberta feeling disrespected in the Federation. Ontario, Saskatchewan, they have been a part of legal challenges against the carbon tax. And now we learn that Quebec is getting it a little easier here. Is this just going to further frustrate people? Absolutely, especially those outside Quebec, because it's voters in Quebec that tend to be more supportive of anti-pipeline legislation, for example. And now we see that that's the province getting the break on the carbon tax. But Anthony, of course, this will be frustrating to any Canadian who's against the carbon tax or frankly, any Canadian who's struggling to heat their home this winter paying the carbon tax bill. 
because we know that in Canada, our country is responsible for less than 2% of global greenhouse gas emissions. And yet we see some of the biggest global emitters like the United States, India, China, don't have a carbon tax. So Canadians are right to scratch their head at this one. And Mr. Terrazano from the Taxpayers Federation is right that it's starting to reveal itself as a bit of just political gains. That's it for today. And don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening and have a great day.